You're listening to Behind the Design Podcast, your digital version of co-working that takes you behind the scenes on how to create an authentic brand, build an intentional business, and live a life with purpose every single day. I'm your host and brand guru, Olivia Silvestro, equipping you with the tools to wake up every day doing what you love and make money doing it. I'm so excited you're here. Let's get to it. If you know you need SEO and have no idea where to start, or you're wondering why you even need SEO in the first place, then this episode is for you. In today's episode, you'll hear my conversation with SEO and Pinterest strategist, Julia of Julia Renee Consulting, where we chat about the importance of content creation, why you absolutely need to have a website because you never know when IG is going to crash again and how the riches are in the niches. Julia is a wealth of knowledge and I know you are going to love her simple and approachable way to targeting your ideal client through SEO. Let's get started. Hi, Julia. How's it going? Hi, good. How are you? I'm so good. I'm so excited to have you here. For you guys that are listening, Julia is an SEO consultant and Pinterest strategist for creative small businesses. Her goal is to make SEO and Pinterest strategies approachable and easy to implement for all small business owners so they can reach their ideal clients organically. She lives in Center City, Philadelphia with her Siberian Husky sidekick and her new husband. And on the side, she runs a travel photography site and goes to grad school for history to study Vikings. So there's a lot to unpack in that (laughs) bio. And I'm so excited to chat with you about... SEO and Pinterest and specifically how to make it easy and simple. I feel like so many people are intimidated by SEO. They have no idea what it means, but it's super important for their businesses. So I'm so excited to have you here. Yeah. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to talk about it. Yeah. I'm super stoked. So before we get into the SEO and Pinterest, I have a few questions about your dog, your husband, your <laughs> travel, and your Vikings. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so how long have you lived in Philly for? Four and a half years now, I think. Oh, awesome. So where are you originally from? So I was born outside of DC and lived there for 10 years. And then I lived in North Carolina for 12 years. So you've been all over the East Coast. Yeah, sticking to the East Coast for now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then you, did you just recently get married? Yeah, we just celebrated six months last week. Oh, wow. So definitely newly married. Where did you guys get married in Philly? Yeah, yeah, right in Center City. It was really nice. Oh, that's exciting. Was it as awesome as everyone says it is? Yeah, yeah. I mean, the day went off without a hitch. Everything was great. Our honeymoon was another story because we didn't have our luggage the entire time and had a lot of issues with flights. But the actual wedding day was great. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. What happened? We had a connection. So we went to Germany and Austria for our honeymoon. Oh, awesome. In Iceland, but our original flight was delayed. So then we missed the connection and they had to put us on a different airline. And then something happened. I don't really know what, (laughs) but somewhere along the line, our luggage got lost. So we didn't get it back until I think we had been home after our honeymoon for two weeks. 
Oh my gosh. Thank God they found it, I guess. I know. I mean, the whole time they said they had no idea where it was. <laughs> so we're like, <sighs> how do you just completely lose it? Thankfully, we got our clothes back, but we did have to like, you know, go to H&M and get a whole new wardrobe. And Yeah. What did you guys do while you were there? You just went shopping? Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. That's a crazy story. I've never heard of like after losing quote unquote luggage, someone getting it back. So yeah, I guess that's a silver lining. <laughs> Yeah. And I mean, the luggage was also a wedding present. So we're like, we can't lose it right away. Right. We just got it. (laughs) Oh my gosh. That's a bummer. That's why I don't check bags when I travel Mm because I'm so scared of that happening. Yeah. But I guess if you're going for a long time, how long are you going for? Uh, We were going for a week. We just did one check bag and shared it. We thought it was smart, but maybe not. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh. That's a crazy story. Did you guys have fun otherwise? Yeah. Yeah. It was a lot of fun. Yeah. That's awesome. Oh my gosh. That's a crazy story. Okay. So you have a photography business on the side. Tell me a little bit about that. I obviously love traveling. (laughs) Um, So I started a travel photography blog, I think over over four years ago. So I just, you know, do it for fun. I do some photo shoots for people. Everyone asks me if I'm a wedding photographer. I'm like, nope. (laughs) (laughs) No. You know, do some like side photo shoots for fun. But yeah, I I love travel photography. And it's actually where I learned SEO and Pinterest um, was from my photography site. Yeah. Isn't that interesting? You learn skills and then you apply them to a different business. So now you have another business because of starting a blog. Yeah. Yeah. That's amazing. That's why I always say you just need to start and then something's going to happen. Oh yeah. I mean, my business has changed like so much (laughs) since I started it, but yeah, just get started and you know, you'll kind of figure things out. Yeah. I love that. So then what types of photography do you do then when you travel? Just put it out there that, Hey, I'm going to Austria. If anyone's looking for brand photos or wants a fun photo shoot, let me know. I haven't really put it out there. Sometimes I'll know people in the area and we'll do photo shoots. But I mean, I really just like taking pictures of my travels, doing some like street photography and things like that. And then I do sell my prints. So I do have that set up on my website. Oh, cool. That's awesome. If anyone can learn anything from that, it's just get started and (laughs) different businesses will come from it. (laughs) Yeah. So grad school for history with Vikings. Tell me a little bit about that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. People are always so confused. (laughs) (laughs) Multi-passionate. Yes. My husband and I actually met studying abroad in Denmark seven years ago. I was there studying like Viking history and things like that. And then I, I think it was two years ago, I went back over the summer to take another class on Vikings before grad school. But yeah, I'm just really obsessed with them. We had a Viking custom made cake topper for our wedding. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, it's just one of like the things I'm super interested in. And I didn't really intend to like start a business. I was just doing freelancing so I could go to grad school. And then my business like took off. So now it's like balancing these two very different full-time things. Oh, interesting. So is school full-time? Yeah. So I go to Villanova University and for grad mm-hmm. school, they have night classes because I have a lot of teachers that are in the grad school. Mm. Um, so it's totally possible to do. It's just, you know, (laughs) just a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's awesome. So I'm glad that we got to learn a little bit more about you because I feel like whenever you hear SEO or really about any business, you don't really know too much about the person behind it. So it's interesting to hear more about you. So actually, why don't we hear from you about your business, what you do and how you got here? 
<laughs> How much time do you have? <laughs> we got um, time. <laughs> yeah. So I started, I guess, freelancing um, about three years ago. I just wanted to, I was like, you know, doing some boring marketing job in a corporate office. And it was kind of a, I had a toxic manager situation. So I really wanted mm-hmm. to leave. And I knew I was going to go to grad school anyway. So I thought it would be a good idea to be freelancing. So I had a more flexible schedule. So I started off doing marketing and then um, a lot of content writing for businesses uh, because my actual background was actually journalism. Uh, mm-hmm. That was my focus in college. So because I already knew how to you know, optimize content because I had done that for my own website. Mm-hmm. I was doing that for these businesses. And then I realized they had no idea what that meant, <laughs> <laughs> why it mattered. But they were like, you know, starting to see results from Google from it. So that's when I transitioned probably about two years ago to focusing only on SEO and Pinterest, really teaching people, you know, what it is, <laughs> why it matters, and you know, just some like easy things that you can do to start seeing results from it. Well, that's amazing, and I'm really glad that you're here to teach us. So, that's actually my first question: is why is SEO important? So, for someone who has been hearing, you know, you need to have SEO, and they're just like, uh, "What?" If you could just explain to us why it's important for yeah. your business. Yeah, I get a lot of people come to me to work with me and like, I know I need SEO. I have no idea why though. Yeah, it's really important, especially I would say now with all the social media algorithms constantly changing. Like the past year, I don't even remember how many Instagram and Facebook outages there were. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Like all these things keep happening. You have no idea if they're just going to shut down one of these days or you're going to like start being forced to pay to even be on the platform. They control everything. So you have no control over, you know, what's going on with your Instagram followers, anything like that. So I found that a lot of people are putting all their eggs in one basket for social media, but then, you know, they could get hacked or, you know, just an Instagram outage happens and they lose sales for a week. But SEO can be really helpful with this because it's also a way for people who really want to work with you and who want your services to find you. Because like, Mm -hmm. if you think about who you're following on Instagram, like, you know, I follow a lot of like wedding photographers because I think their work is really pretty, but I just got married. So I'm not going to hire them. Right. Um, But when I was actually, you know, in the process of, you know, planning my wedding, I would go onto Google and search for, you know, all these different vendors and people to work with ready to, you know, purchase their services. People are searching specifically for your services. So that's a great way to, you know, really reach your ideal clients. Because even if you have 10,000 followers on Instagram, you know, how many of them are actually going to hire you? But SEO and also Pinterest is great because, you know, there are platforms where people are searching specifically for your services. Right, exactly. And that's what I always tell people, you know, you cannot not have a website now for the exact same reasons you just said. Mm-hmm. You don't own your Instagram, you don't own your Facebook, you don't own any of that. But on your website, you control what people can do, what they can mm-hmm. see, be able to hire you, and then you're searchable. So when you're searching for something, or you're getting ready to make a high level investment, you're going to Google it, you're going to look on Pinterest, you're going to do all of the research through some sort of search engine, 
not through Instagram. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Maybe you do, maybe you're following people that you would end up, but you're probably going to go to their website as well Mm -hmm. and, you know, search through. And then there are people, you know, people search on Google every single day. Like there's a reason why it's there. There's a reason why it's a multi-billion. I mean, I'm assuming it's a billion dollar company. Oh, I'm sure it is. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Don't quote me on that. You know, so having SEO is once you have a website is adding to that and making you searchable. So that's funny that a lot of your clients come to you and they're like, wait, I know I need you, but (laughs) (laughs) yeah, yeah, they just hear that like, oh yeah, I need my site optimized. I don't know why or, you know, what it means, but I just know I need it. (laughs) Yeah. So can you explain a little bit about this might be a loaded question, so we can break it down if we need to, but basically how it works, how the, as far as the initial setup and then the ongoing Mm -hmm. goes. Yeah. So I have people coming to me at all points in their business. They've had, you know, some have had their websites for like 10, 15 years, and then some have like brand new websites. So, I mean, if you have a brand new website, if you know, you're working with Olivia and getting a new website, you probably won't have like a ton of broken links or, you know, crazy issues on your site. But uh, one of the first things that I do is make sure there aren't these crazy issues. So looking for um, things like broken links or a big issue that I see a lot is with site speed. Oh. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So Google is really focused right now on the user experience on your website. So I was actually just helping someone. It took, according to like these different trackers, it took her website 17 seconds to load in a lot of areas, which like if you're going to a website and you're sitting there waiting 17 seconds for it to load, are you really going to stick around? Right. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, No one wants to stick around for that. So Google will see that, you know, the site is taking forever to load and that's not good for user experience. So they're not going to rank it as highly. They can also see like if you're sitting there waiting for the website to load and it doesn't load after two seconds and you leave immediately, it affects something called the bounce rate, which means that like basically Google thinks that the site must not be valuable if people are just going there for two seconds and then leaving. But you know, if your site is um, fast and it's really easy to navigate and you can get people to, you know, click around to different pages on your website and everything loads quickly or, you know, read a couple blog posts, then it's going to show Google that your site is valuable and people think that the content is quality. So they're going to start ranking you higher for that. So looking for, you know, issues like that. But then there are also a lot of things like making sure your title tags and meta descriptions are written out and, you know, are coherent. So those are, that's what shows up when someone like Googles your business, they see the title of the page and then the text below it is the meta description. The meta description actually doesn't affect the ranking but it can affect whether or not people want to click to your website. Because I see a lot of times if you don't set the meta description, Google's just going to pull whatever random text is the first on that page, which I've seen mm-hmm. a lot of times it can be images. So they're going to pull the name of the image. So I've seen websites that like, you know, the meta description is image.123jpg and yeah. <laughs> random text. So it's like, I don't know if I trust that business, so I'm probably not going to click through to your their website. I mean, the process is basically just cleaning up a lot of these issues, doing keyword research to make sure you know that you're reaching the right people, that you're targeting keywords that you can actually rank for. I've seen a lot of times people are trying to rank for really generic keywords 
that mm-hmm. are, you know, current, like if it's, you know, an interior designer and they're just trying to rank for interior designer, think of how many huge interior design magazines and blogs are out there. Right. <laughs> probably not going to outrank them. So it's kind of, you know, a mix of doing the strategy and like cleaning up all these, you know, techie issues. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. So that's kind of what you help with with is when someone hires an SEO consultant and you specifically, you're helping clean up and then implement the proper. Mm -hmm. So for someone who is DIYing, doing things themselves, you know, maybe they have a marketing budget, but it's not too crazy. Where should they even start with SEO? So the first thing I would make sure that they have is um, an SSL certificate. If you look at your website URL, it's what changes the HTTP to HTTPS. And it's something that keeps your site secure. So Google, I think it was almost two years ago where they said that this is affecting rankings if you don't have an SSL certificate because they Mm -hmm. want sites to be secure. Because if you think about it, you're probably collecting email addresses. Um, You might be collecting credit card information if you have like products or, you know, things like that. So if your site isn't secure, kind of just opening up hackers to be able to come in and steal those email addresses and, you know, credit card information and things like that. So that's the first thing I always look for. If all of that just sounds like gibberish, (laughs) (laughs) Um, if you, you know, open up your website in like Google Chrome, right before the URL, there should be a little like, it looks like a little padlock. If you see something that says like not secure or like, you know, a red X, that probably means you don't have it set up or you don't have it set up properly. So that's the first place to look, you know, to make sure everything is okay with your website. So after that, I would definitely say, you know, fixing site speed issues. There are a lot of free websites where you can check to see how fast your site is and what issues are slowing your site down. So one that's, you know, really easy to understand is called PageSpeed Insights. PageSpeed Insights. Mm -hmm. And it's actually run by Google. (laughs) They know what they're talking about. But yeah, it's totally free. You put your website in and it'll test your mobile and your desktop speed. I've seen a lot of times where, you know, people won't have their mobile site optimized very well. So their mobile site will be crazy slow, but their desktop speed is actually pretty good. But you want to, since more and more people are using their phones, you definitely want to make sure that both speeds are pretty good. And then after that, it's in also looking for broken links and things like that. But after kind of fixing those issues, it's really about strategy, making sure you're targeting the right keywords. If you want, there are some keyword research tools that you can use. Uh, one that I recommend is called Key Search. It's really easy to understand. You get some free searches per month. And then I forget what the limit is for free. But then if you want the paid version, it's only $17 a month, which really is not bad compared to other ones that are like hundreds of dollars a month. Yeah. Um, But it's a way to see, you know, the keywords that you're targeting, if there's like really crazy competition for them, or if, you know, maybe there's just no search volume at all for them. Like no one's actually searching for, you know, those types of keywords. So it's making sure that your website is in line, you know, with people who are searching for those keywords. And you really want to make sure they're, you know, your ideal clients. So again, like if you're trying to target interior designer, you're probably, if people are actually finding you on Google that way, you're probably getting all kinds of people from all different kinds of locations. But if you really only serve 
like the town where you live in. And, you know, if you only, you know, serve people who are looking for like vacation homes or things like that, if you're getting all kinds of different people on your website, they're not going to hire you. So you want to make sure that you're targeting keywords for people are looking for that actually want to hire you because then otherwise like you're just getting website traffic and no clients. <laughs> right. So for most of our listeners, they're health coaches, life coaches, creative business owners, which is definitely a saturated market. And especially if you could do it online, you know, for me, I work with clients all over the place. I have clients in Australia, Cayman Islands, the West Coast, East Coast. So how would you say then to find keywords that work for say an online health coach? Yeah. So I would say you can start by, so if you're using key search, you can start and just type in like health coach and see what the search volume is. And then they'll actually show you some similar keywords that maybe you would be able to have an easier time ranking for. So I would say, you know, start off broad and then niche down. But also think about, you know, even if you're serving people all over the world, which I mean, my business is the same way, make sure you're, you know, who you're serving and use those types of keywords. So if you're like a health coach for new moms or a health coach for busy entrepreneurs, make sure you're using that kind of language and those types of keywords. If you're just a health coach for everyone, it's probably going to be hard for you to grow your business to begin with. And yep, then that's what I always say. <laughs> yeah. See, guys, it's not just me. Yep. <laughs> so, I mean, the riches really are in the niches. I know that's mm-hmm. cliche, but um, <laughs> it, it is. It's true. And then it really makes it a lot easier for people to find you because if, you know, I have a specific issue that I want to work with a health coach with. I am not going to search just health coach and see what pops up. I'm going to search health coach with, you know, whatever type of issue I'm having or, you know, the type of person that I am, because that's who I want to work with is someone who has the expertise in the type of health that I need. Gotcha. So we really should be typing in, you know, health coach for, yeah, like you said, new moms or health Mm -hmm. coach for, you know, digestive problems or something like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then how many keywords should you have? So it, it varies. This is also where producing content can help a lot because it allows you to target so many more keywords. So I would say for like your website in general, just kind of like one or two main keywords. Because if, if you are trying to target a ton of different niches in health coaching, like if you're trying to target like health coach for new mom and, you know, health coach for, I don't know, older men and health coach, you know, for busy entrepreneurs, like these very different niches, you're probably going to also confuse Google. Mm. So they're not going to rank you as well because they don't actually know what you're doing or who you're serving. So for like general keywords, I would just, you know, have one or two that are similar for the audience that you're serving. But then with blog posts or also podcasts, if you um, are producing podcasts and then you have the, you know, the script or a summary that you post on your website in like the form of a blog post, that can be really helpful for targeting other keywords. Because, you know, let's say if I'm looking for a health coach for entrepreneurs, but right now I don't know that I need a health coach. I'm just looking for advice on, you know, maybe meal planning or, you know, mm-hmm. how not to snack all day long when I'm working from home. Mm-hmm. 
Problem number one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so if I'm looking for those topics because I'm looking for an answer to something, you know, if you've written a blog post on that topic and then in your blog post you talk about, you know, your services or the type of people that you serve, I'm like, oh my gosh, I didn't know there was a health coach that did this. I'm way more likely to work with you. So it's trying to, you know, target different keywords that people would be searching for that, you know, maybe they don't know that your business exists, or even the type of business that you have exists. But if you can provide them with value and show how you can help them, you know, they're way more likely to hire you. You know, everything is switched. You know, things are changing all the time. Blogging was super popular like a year ago or like Mm -hmm. five years ago, really. And then now it's podcasting (laughs) and Instagram and all that stuff. So is it still important to have a blog on your website? Um, I personally love blogging, but I, I mean, I know the scene has changed. So I would recommend having at least some sort of content on on your website, whether that's just a blog post or, you know, a summary of your podcast episode or like YouTube videos with, you know, some script underneath, just some sort of content on your website is really going to help. So I wouldn't recommend like creating a YouTube video and then just having a post with just the YouTube video because Mm -hmm. Google can't read videos. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, So they have no idea what that's about. And also people who, you know, may be deaf or have like some sort of hearing impairments to have text to go along with your podcast or your video is also going to serve that audience. So just having some sort of content, whether it's, you know, a blog or a podcast, something that, you know, shows Google that your business is active and that you're producing content that people are finding valuable, that's really going to help you. Yeah, for sure. And honestly, that goes with all marketing, right? Like you can't just be like, I'm an SEO consultant, hire me. And then you have nothing to back it up where it's like Mm -hmm. you're doing podcast interviews and you are writing blog posts and sharing your value. And this is something that I tell my clients or really any of my friends or, you know, people that are saying, you know, I'm not getting any clients. I'm putting stuff out there. You have to show value before Mm -hmm. you can even think about getting hired for your services. So whether that's doing a blog post, a podcast interview, whatever that is, having information and value on your website is what's going to keep you going. It's going to give people a destination to go when they need guidance. So if you're showing up every day on your Instagram story, talking about a blog, talking about a podcast interview, like people are going to start to go to your website and look at the services that you have to offer and, you know, downloading your freebies and getting on your free email list and all that stuff. So Mm -hmm. it really all ties together, but SEO really supports being found by those random people on the internet, not random people, your ideal client (laughs) on the internet and just adds rather than what you were saying about putting all your eggs in one basket. This just adds to all of that stuff. So Mm -hmm. that's really good to know. I love blogging. I started blogging. I haven't had as much time as I've wanted to. I do write a blog post for each podcast episode actually. Mm -hmm. And I do see that some people watch them or read them. Sorry. So that's good to know. (laughs) Yeah. Because you're able to target, you know, so many more keywords or sometimes if, you know, people see a podcast episode, but they're not, you know, if it's like an hour and a half long and they're like, oh, I don't know if I have time to listen to all that. Let me see what it's about before I commit to it. You know, having that little summary or, you know, some sort of script or something to go with it can just show people, you know, a snippet and get them, interested in wanting to listen to the whole episode. Right. So Mm -hmm. I have a lot of clients who want to have a blog set up, but they're not sure if they can 
blog consistently or, you know, get it done, they want to have some sort of resource. Is it as true that you need to blog as consistently anymore? Or is it okay to put up a blog post every once in a while when you feel like it? I would say having some sort of consistency is going to help. I personally blog once a month that it's, Mm -hmm. it's super manageable. I have worked with some people where like they heard that, Oh my gosh, you need to be blogging. Blogging is the only way that you're going to rank on Google. So then they're producing like, you know, a blog post every day, but the blog posts are like 200 words long. They don't really have any, you know, substance to them because they're just like cranking out these little blog posts that is not going to help you (laughs) make sure that you not going to help anybody yeah exactly I mean people are not going to be interested in that anyway so you want to make sure that whatever blog post you're creating is you know full of information it's high quality I would recommend blogging once a month if you really are struggling to commit to that I would just you know go ahead and outsource it but having some sort of consistent schedule is going to show Google that, you know, you're active in your business. So if, you know, let's say that you're blogging once a week for, you know, a few months and then you don't blog again for eight months and Google's like, you know, where the heck did you go? You were so active. And then, you know, you disappeared for a long time. Google doesn't know if that means that you're out of business or like what happened. So your rankings could start to drop if you just like disappear for a while and, you know, aren't active on your website. But having some sort of, I mean, having a consistent schedule is going to help you because you know you need to get this blog post done. And then, I mean, it's going to show Google that you're, you know, an active business as well. Yeah. And I think blogging once a month is definitely manageable. Everyone can sit down for, you know, an hour a month and write, write a blog post. And Mm -hmm. some ideas that you can do actually for a blog post can be, I know backlinking is important. So you can do kind of like a, you can do a how to or whatever, but you can also do something like a mini newsletter, like, you know, a month in review here, are the resources that I'm loving, you know, you can link Mm -hmm. to your Amazon, you could link to some articles that you read and you know, you can say, so if you were in a few podcast interviews, you can link to the podcast interviews. I mean, blogging once a month is definitely, definitely doable. So (laughs) everyone listening here can definitely blog once a month. Mm -hmm. And even I could blog once a month. I need to be better at that. So (laughs) (laughs) I do, I do it once a week, but it's just my podcast. So I should, Mm -hmm. you know, I could really add way more in there. Mm -hmm. So you have a freebie about an SEO guide for blog posts specifically, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, awesome. So we're going to link that in the show notes for you or just for everyone listening so you guys can get that guide specifically for blog posts. So just from, we're going to keep going and talking about, you know, more about SEO and Pinterest and all that stuff. But just to kind of like sum up all of the amazing information you just gave us is blogging is important. Having Mm -hmm. content on there is important. And then having super targeted keywords and what you use for... Oh, key search. search. Mm Mm-hmm. And that's for keywords. Mm-hmm. So p- use page search for keywords. But before you figure out your keywords, you need to know who your ideal client is. So if you don't know who your ideal client is, grab the freebie. It's in the show notes and it's going to take you walking through how you can identify who your ideal client is. So you can get super specific because like Julia said, if you're just a health coach for everyone, you're not going <laughs> to, you're not going to get there. Yeah. So, you know, <laughs> you want to have a targeted audience and that's going to help not only in running and scaling your business, but then also in being found through Google. So mm-hmm. page search. Another one that I use is Neil Patel's, what the heck is it called? Neil 
patel.com backslash uber suggest I've oh, used yeah, that, and that one's free mm-hmm. as well so i'll link that in the show notes as well so okay awesome now that we know all about blog posts and blogging and everything pinterest let's talk about seo with pinterest mm-hmm. and let's just start with what type of business should be using pinterest um, I actually had a blog post this month on what types of businesses should be on Pinterest. <laughs> so Perfect. if you're not I'll sure, that. I'll, I'll link that there too. <laughs> yeah. So basically for Pinterest for businesses, you need to be producing some kind of content, whether that's a podcast, YouTube video, blogs, you know, something, because otherwise you're not going to have anything to pin. And then I also say that like local businesses that only serve locals, like a dentist or a cleaning company or something like that, they probably aren't going to do well on Pinterest because mm-hmm. I mean, you're not going to Pinterest to look for, you know, your orthodontist, like you're going to, you know, Google or asking friends for that. But if you're producing content, even if you're a local business, I mean, I live in Philadelphia and there are so many restaurants that, you know, attract people from all over the world to come to visit Philadelphia. Right. I mean, if they can produce, I tell them to, you know, produce blog posts on, you know, maybe different food tours in the area, different sites to see in the neighborhood. And you can still talk about your business, but having targeting these different keywords to draw people into your website and then they get restaurant using Pinterest. So there are very few businesses I've come across that wouldn't do well on Pinterest. But also if you're not sure if you know your business is suited for Pinterest, you can also go to Pinterest and see if people are already pinning things from your website. So if you go to I think it's pinterest.com slash source slash, and then you type in your website URL. You can see if people are already pinning things from your website. I actually just did a Pinterest audit for someone last week. She hasn't been active on Pinterest in like a year, but Mm -hmm. right now her top performing pins are from what other people were pinning from her website. Oh, wait, what's it called? Pinterest what? So it's pinterest.com and then slash source and then another slash and then you type in your website URL. So mine would be like pinterest.com slash source slash julianeeconsulting.com. And that'll show you what is being pinned that is from your website. Oh, interesting. That's such a good way. So then you could see what other people are pinning from your site. Mm-hmm. That's great. So pretty much everyone can benefit, especially everyone that's online. So if you're, mm-hmm. let's say, say you're a spiritual healer. I have a few clients that are Reiki healers. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I actually worked with a company for Pinterest. Um, she is in like the, you know, healing world and creates like organ pyramids and things like that. And she found a lot of success with uh, Pinterest. Okay. So what I was going to ask was what types of things should, you know, a Reiki healer be posting on Pinterest mm-hmm. in order to be found? Um, so, I mean, if you're writing blog posts or, you know, have any sort of content uh, that would, you know, definitely do well on Pinterest. I recommend with blog posts, creating a graphic. It can be really simple, just a vertical image with a text overlay, because those are way more eye-catching than just a regular picture of someone's like scrolling through their Pinterest feed. Um, mm-hmm. That's going to catch their eye and tell them exactly what you know the post is about before they click through. If you have products, I recommend you know pinning the different products. You can also do things like creating graphics for your product categories, or you know you can just also just pin the actual image of your products. 
I mean, there are all different kinds of things that you can Mm -hmm. be using Pinterest for. You just need to make sure you have some sort of content or a product that you're able to pin. Someone actually asked this. I think I'm already going to know the answer. But on Instagram, I asked yesterday if anyone had any questions. And one of them was, is it better to link to Instagram content or directly to your website? To your website. (laughs) (laughs) Otherwise, (laughs) Otherwise, you're giving Instagram the traffic. I actually get asked about linking to Instagram a lot. The only time I would link to Instagram is if you're trying to like grow your Instagram following or, you know, if you're your business is largely on Instagram, which I mean, I don't recommend doing that Mm -hmm. anyway. But other than that, you really want to be linking to your website. If you have a YouTube channel and you really want to grow that, you can, you know, link to that. Other than that, those two cases, I would recommend linking to your website. Awesome. That's great to know. So how does Pinterest increase your SEO? So you can actually, I've seen this a lot. You can actually have pins that are ranking in Google, like on the first page of Google results or in Google images. Because a lot of times, you know, people aren't adding information to their images. You can add a description in something called like the alt tag or the alt text. But a lot of times businesses don't do that or don't know to do that. So if you have a pin and that you've you know done some keyword research for and you have a great pin description and title, Google will be pulling that information and those can actually rank really well in Google Images and you know on the pages of Google results. Awesome. So as far as using keywords and SEO on Pinterest, can you just talk a little bit about that? Yeah. So like I kind of mentioned before, you want to make sure any images that you have on your website, you are filling in the alt tag slash alt text. So this is, you're just going to, you know, briefly describe what the image is about and, you know, try to work in some good keywords. If you can, I'll, I'll give you an example. So for my travel photography site, you know, I have a lot of images if, you know, I'm describing each of the images, like what is in the image, if it's a building or, you know, some sort of landscape, this is telling Google what the image is about. So it'll rank well in Google images. But if someone pins that image from my website, this is also what Pinterest is pulling for the pin description. If you don't have anything there, you know, you're not going to rank well in Pinterest for that because, you know, Pinterest has no idea what's going on in the image. But if you have a good description in your photo and someone pins something from Pinterest, then your pin can start ranking well in Pinterest. So yeah, make sure, I would say all of your photos on your blog posts, um, people typically aren't pinning things from your pages, but I mean, it's still helpful for Google or for people who are have like visual impairments and have software that reads them the alt tag to let them know what the image is about. So um, that image underscore five, six, seven, eight. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's helpful to rename your images before you upload them to your website. But once they're on your website there, if you, it, it varies depending on like what platform it is, but usually if you click on the image, there's a way where you can add it's usually called either alt text, alt tag, or I've seen on some now they're saying SEO description. Mm-hmm. So that's where you want to put in like just a little description of the image. So basically the biggest thing is going to be creating content to drive to your website. That's mm-hmm. like what I'm really gathering, you know, having mm-hmm. your keywords, knowing your ideal client, and then creating content that drives people straight to your website. 
Yeah, it's super easy. <laughs> <laughs> so easy. So people get so, I mean, it is complicated and it sounds like a lot. So mm-hmm. when you work with someone for SEO, I saw some of your services on your website. You do consulting, content creation, so you'll do trainings, but will you optimize people's sites? Yeah. Yeah. So my process with that is I start with an SEO audit because someone told me an analogy once. It's like looking under the car hood, you get to know what's going on before Mm. you commit to like fixing the car. Yeah. (laughs) Um, So, and then I'll send the report. So that way, whoever I'm working with can see exactly what needs to be fixed on their website, what isn't working, especially because there are a lot of SEO companies that scam people. I have a lot of people who've been like scammed in the past. So they're like a little nervous about like what my process is, but this is a way to see, you know, exactly what is you know wrong with the website and what I'll be fixing. So that way when I'm done, they can see like, Oh yeah, my site speed was, you know, 17 seconds, but now it's two seconds. So they can see the progress. And then after the audit, I'll go in and fix, you know, all of those issues. Yeah. I do a lot of work with site speed, fixing title tags, meta descriptions, you know, keywords for the pages. And then I have recently added on doing um, a keyword research content strategy for Mm -hmm. after I'm done with optimization, because I found a lot of times that once I was done, you know, fixing things on their website and getting things revised, it was all, you know, well and good, but then the client didn't know what to do after that. Yeah. So that's going to be actually my next question because I set up, so when I work with my clients, I set up basic SEO. So I do the alt tags, the descriptions, all that stuff. But then afterwards, I've had some clients be like, why am I not ranked number one on Google? <laughs> I thought you said you did SEO mm-hmm. and it obviously doesn't work like that. So as far mm-hmm. as ongoing SEO, how can someone continue to try to rank higher, you know, optimize their own site without Mm -hmm. wanting to pull their hair out. Yeah. So, I mean, once you're done with like the actual, you know, optimization of the website, fixing issues, that is the bulk of the work. So after that, it's really producing content. So like, I mean, if, if you create a beautiful website for someone and it's, you know, fully optimized and everything, if they just let their website sit and they don't produce any content, again, Google like doesn't see that they're an active business. So, you know, even if they might not be ranking them as highly for just even the home page, if they're not sure if the business is active or not. So I have started doing keyword research content strategy plans. So after I'm done optimizing, I will research keywords on the that will fit the type of content that they can be writing or they, I mean, I also create content so they can hire me for the content creation themselves if they want. But that way they know the type of content they need to be creating, the type of keywords that they can rank for, and that will be reaching their ideal clients. Because if I hand them, you know, an optimized website, but then they start producing blog posts that are 200 words that are for keywords that are impossible to rank for, Mm -hmm. they're not going to see results. So that's something I've started doing that has, you know, definitely improved the experience that my clients have had. And then another thing that you can be doing is strategizing for backlinks. So Mm -hmm. there are some very shady companies (laughs) that will like buy link placements for you, you don't want to do that. But basically backlinks are, it's kind of like an endorsement of your website. If, you know, let's say a big magazine like Forbes links to your website, Google knows that Forbes is like a legit, you know, high quality website. And if they're endorsing you, then Google's like, huh, 
this must also be like a good high quality website. So your rankings can start to improve that way. So the strategy with backlinks, that's pretty shady that you should not be doing. Mm-hmm. It's just like there are companies that will place your link on like any random company that will place their, your link. So this could be like random websites in Russia or India. You have no idea. But the good backlink strategy that you should be doing is trying to get your link on a website that your ideal clients would be using anyway, so they can see that your link is being featured and you can Mm. drive more traffic that way. So ways that you can do this is you can be on a podcast interview just like this. (laughs) So, you know, you said that you are writing out blog posts related to your podcast. So you're going to be linking back to my website. So that's, you know, even if you're not a huge, you know, major corporation like Forbes that is still showing Google that, you know, you're endorsing my website. You can also do guest posting for different people. This is something that I do a lot. And also, I mean, make sure that the guest posts are in the niche that you're your clients are, you know, going to be in. So that way you can attract more people to your website. It's not just about placing links, you know, everywhere that you can get them. It's really about strategizing the best place to get backlinks that's going to serve your Google rankings, but also to reach your clients. You can also, you know, get interviewed for like your local newspaper or like a local magazine. You can, you know, there's something, I think it's called help a reporter out. Where oh, yeah, I use that. Yeah, so reporters are asking for sources for, you know, their various articles. So that way you can get, you know, if you're an expert in the topic that they're looking for, if they're looking for a health coach to verify something, then you can get a link back that way. So there are all these different good ways <laughs> mm-hmm. of getting backlinks that can really help your rankings. Yeah, That's amazing. That's all really helpful. I use Harrow. I haven't used it too often. Sometimes they send a lot of emails. So (laughs) sometimes I don't answer them, but it's like anyone's ever used what I've sent yet, (laughs) but I still do it. You never know. Mm -hmm. Hiring an SEO consultant versus taking a course, which would you recommend? And when is the right time to be like, okay, I'm ready to hire someone for SEO? So I would say if you're just like overwhelmed with all the little nuances of SEO and like trying to find the exact keywords that you should be ranking for, if all of this is just like too much for you, then, you know, I recommend handing it off. If you're interested in like, you know, learning how you can optimize your website ongoing and like you're interested in having the correct strategy for your website to be ranking courses are, you know, a great way to learn how to do that. I mean, I learned SEO on my own for my own website, so it's totally possible. And there are, I mean, there are some great courses where you can learn a lot out there. So it's kind of just, you know, how much time do you want to commit to it? If you have a website that's been around for 10 years and you have hundreds of blog posts and, you know, it's going to take you, you know, a full year just to start optimizing part of your website, you probably just want to hand that off to someone to take care of. Right. Good to know because I'm sure a lot of people are listening and they're excited to dive in, but it can also be, you know, a little confusing, but I would Mm -hmm. say to everyone listening, if this was such, so valuable and so important and you really did simplify it. So thank you for that. Try to, you know, freak us out with SEO, really just figure out your ideal client and then get those keywords in your, you know, in all the little areas on your website. But then also I think the biggest takeaway is producing content 
Mm-hmm. Create content that's going to lead people back to your website mm-hmm. and then use the different platforms to lead people back to your website, which is what I always am preaching is your website is a hub for all things that you are. So you, it has, you know, your services, who you are, your blog, your podcast, your Facebook group. It has all of that stuff that is, you know, your resources, your freebies, that's all going to be on your website and every single thing that you do as far as on Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn, whatever you're using is going to direct people back to your website. Mm-hmm. That's the biggest takeaway I've had. And you know, if you want people to hire you, you have to give out free, <laughs> free information in order for that to even happen. Mm-hmm. So Julie, is there anything else you'd like to add? Anything else for our listeners to know about SEO? Yeah, just don't be super overwhelmed. I also tell people like when you're producing content, make sure you're producing it for your audience or for who you want to be reading it. Don't think that you have to write like a robot and like squeeze in your keyword every other sentence because you think that's what Google wants to see. Google's really smart. (laughs) They, They can tell when you're like trying to trick them with, you know, these different keyword stuffing strategies. So make sure you're just producing quality content and, you know, it's something that your audience really wants to read. Awesome. So before we go, just can you share with us how we can work with you? Maybe just the services that you offer and if it's in person, you know, on the phone, however that works. Yeah. I mean, I work with people all over the world, (laughs) so it doesn't have to be in person. Yeah. I offer SEO audits, SEO optimization. I've also been doing a lot of SEO trainings can also be virtual. I have one coming up in March for like a virtual mastermind. Mm. Um, yes, I'm really excited for that. I've done a virtual Pinterest training before too, and that was really fun. And also for Pinterest, I pretty much the same thing. I offer Pinterest audits and trainings. I also do Pinterest uh, monthly management. So I completely you know, handle everything with your Pinterest account, create all the graphics and the pins, keep up with your tailwind scheduling, all of that. So like you don't even have to touch Pinterest. I completely take it over for you. Oh, that's awesome. And then how can we stay in touch with you? Yeah, so my website is juliareneconsulting.com and Renee is spelled R-E-N-E-E. And my Instagram handle is the exact same, Julia Renee Consulting. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and then, yeah, if you want to connect with me on like LinkedIn or something, it's Julia Bocasey. Awesome. So, and then you also have a few freebies, which I will link in the show notes. And then did I see you had a content course? Yeah, I have an SEO ebook and an SEO and content course that I created in collaboration with um, a copywriter. So you get both like the SEO optimization information and then also the content and copywriting strategy. Okay. Awesome. So everyone go check Julia out. We were Instagram friends and now we're podcast interviewees or interviewees, however that works. (laughs) Um, Well, awesome, Julia. Thank you so much for all of this insight and I hope you have an awesome day. Yeah. Thanks for having me. This was so much fun. 